We're going to go to Romans chapter 8 first and verse 14. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, what are they? All right. Jesus came along and he said to Peter, follow me. He said to James, follow me. John, follow me. Bartholomew, follow me. All right. So those who follow Christ, that's, that's, that's a choice that you make. says, I'm going to trust this person here. I'm going to trust this, this Messiah, this person, to actually tell me the truth and actually lead me all the way to heaven. And as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, that's one of the proofs that you are a child of God. Now, there are plenty of people who are following every other spirit. Follow every other Tom, Dick, and Harry. They follow their YouTube personality. They follow their their movie star, popular movie star, or entertainer, or whatever. Um, a Christian follows the Spirit of God. Now, I I, I want to say this that as as we're going through Romans chapter eight and we hit this verse, it just mm, it just hit me. I'd like to spend, like I said, uh, months in just chapter eight. But this, this thought of being led by the Spirit of God had me captivated for the last several weeks. And I thought and I thought and I've had to, boy, throw away a lot of thoughts and just focus on one thing this morning. Because there's so much here in this thought of, of, of walking in the Spirit and, and being led by the Spirit. Because it's easy to be deceived. You understand what I'm saying? It's easy to be tricked. As a matter of fact, I better take it to a verse now. Instead of going back to Psalms, I was ready to do that, but I need you to go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, go to your right, find a 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 1. See, not everyone is allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God. They don't even know how to know, discern, what the voice of the Spirit is. And I'm not saying you listen and you hear voices, okay? Don't get that idea. But I want you to see something here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Would to God. That's a begging. He says, I would to God ye would bear with me a little in my folly. Now, that's a cute way of saying, I know you think I'm a fool. I know you don't really like what I say, Paul's saying to the Christians in Corinth. He says, bear with me for a minute. And indeed, bear with me, please. Verse 2, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you. I've, I've, I've got this relationship. I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste, a pure virgin to Christ. I'm trying to get Christians ready to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he compares us to being his bride, Jesus being our husband. Verse three, he says, but I fear, this is my worry. This is what I'm concerned about. Lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through, the, uh, through his subtlety, question, when did a serpent beguile Eve? Okay, you better know the Bible. You better know the Old Testament because all of that was written for our learning. Eve was a real person and she got tricked by a, by a talking snake, okay? And um, this serpent beguiled, deceived Eve through his subtlety. He didn't tell her the whole truth. And really, you know, uh, politicians don't tell the whole truth. Uh, people who are in great positions of power and 
can, can manipulate other people's lives. They don't care about the truth. They just care that you're following them. The Bible says that the devil uh, used his subtlety, and he goes on, verse 3, he says, I fear uh, lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds, your thinking, your decisions should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Oh, how simple the gospel is, how simple Jesus is. He just says, follow me, trust me. Don't trust your own understanding. Don't try to figure out everything. Just learn to trust me. Verse four, four, if he, speaking of other preachers, if he that cometh stands behind a pulpit or back then if there was YouTube, comes on YouTube, if he preaches another Jesus, and believe me, there are plenty out there whom we have not preached, or if he receive, here's it, another what? Another spirit. We haven't gotten to the gospel yet. If he receive, is it possible for Christians to be influenced by wrong spirits? Yes or no? You better believe it. Uh, if you receive another spirit, which we, we, which ye have not already received, or another gospel. I've watched Christians who got saved. They learned the Bible, and then they went off and they went, oh, now I believe this. I'm like, what? There's the verse that says, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. You'd prefer them, verse 5. For I suppose I was not a whit, a, we'd say a bit behind the very chiefest of apostles, but though I be rude in speech, but yet not in knowledge, I know what I'm talking about, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. That's the difference between your pastor and the YouTube guy. You know me. You've been in my house. You know my ups and downs. I know your ups and downs. You see that guru on, on YouTube and these other people out influencing the world today and the spirits that are out there, you don't know them. And Paul says, you know me. And the point is, people would rather be pastored by a YouTube preacher. Say, why are you picking on YouTube? Because that's where everybody is today. People are comfortable watching. Used to be years ago, they were called televangelists. Now they're all on YouTube. And, and, and they're following different spirits, and it's, well, it's a concern for a pastor. Go down here. I want you to, anyway, I have to stop here because I will come back to it in a minute. There are Christians, maybe in this room, who are allowing themselves to be led by a different spirit, and that's the danger. Uh, Psalm 51 now. Go back to Psalm 51. These are the words of King David in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 and verse 10. Some of the most precious words ever because everyone can relate to them. Psalm 51 and verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What kind of spirit did he have? A wrong spirit. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David knew his heart had become dark and soiled and sinful. What had happened? He had allowed such darkness, such lusts and sins to ruin his own walk with God and to bring hurt upon his family and even cause the death of an innocent man named Uriah. All because David stopped following the Holy Spirit, and he's worried about losing it, 
He said, I followed my own spirit. I followed a dark spirit of lust. I went after a woman who was another man's husband. I was already married and it brought ruin to my life. And he's crying out to God, God, I was deceived and I was ruined. Fix me. That ought to apply to every one of us. See, David stopped being led by the Holy Spirit and followed his own lust, his own desires, and his own will. And his attitude to become hard and proud. You know, it took a pastor, took a, a prophet named Nathan to come to him and, and open his eyes and let him know he was the man that was in trouble with God. Up until that point, he'd gone 10 months without ever coming out and being honest with God or with man and saying, I did wrong. It was a hard heart that David had gotten. And he begged God to be kind and make his heart and his spirit right again. Now, you know the story. I showed you the picture of the Pied Piper. You know the story of the Pied Piper. It's a famous example of someone who attracts a following through false promises. See, he went to a village in Germany back in the 1300s. He had, been, uh, he had heard that the, the Lord Mayor was going to offer a bag of gold for anybody to get rid of all the rats. And uh, he went up there and he played his whistle and all the rats followed him in, into the river. And then the city says, well, don't give him the money. Now we don't have to. He's gotten rid of all the rats. And he went, oh, and so he started to play his flute and the kids followed him now. And he took him, put him in a cave, put, the, put a whole uh, covering over the whole thing. And they were very sorry and they gave him the money and he opened up the hole and so on and so forth. But that Pied Piper had the ability to lead anybody. Rat or human, you understand what I'm saying? You gotta, be, you gotta be careful because it is easy to be led astray. That's the thing. And we need to make sure that we have a right spirit that we're, that we're in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. Now go to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five and verse 11. And I say that because I don't know if you felt it. The last, I mean, every time in October, I can tell you, a spirit comes over this country. Some of you might call it a wet blanket. It's not a fog, it's a darkness. And uh, Ireland's got some bad history. Europe's got a lot of bad history. And, and if you're just going along in life and you're working and, and trying, to, trying to raise your kids, trying to do right, you'll find it, especially at this time of year, it just gets hard and you battle discouragement, depression. And the doctor may say, oh, it's just tiredness. Oh, it's just the weather. It's something deeper. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11. We have a warning, a clear warning. Ephesians 5.11 says this, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them, other people outside in the world, in secret. Now, we're clearly warned not to have anything to do with things that are dark, things that honor the prince of darkness. Uh, go back to, you're in Ephesians 4, go to ch uh, chapter, no, you're in chapter, um, yeah, I just read 5, 11, 12. Uh, when we talk about things that are done in darkness, we're talking about things that are done in secret, things that are shameful and destructive. Um, there is something nice about being just stupid about all how sick and how sinful the world is. You say, I didn't know that was going on. Thank God. Because I think we know way too much for our own good. I'm, I'm not 
for anybody not being exposed. But man, I tell you what, you open up the newspaper and they give you every single detail of what some rapist did and what some murderer did. It's like, sorry, I'm glad. I really wish I didn't read all that. Amen. This time of year, they call this celebration something called Halloween, but it's anything but hallow. No Christian should have anything to do with Halloween. You say, I'm going to a Halloween party. Don't, not if you're a Christian. Bible says no fellowship, none. You say, well, I want to, I want to, you know, put pumpkins and, and, and switches all over my house. Why? Why? Do you understand that? Why not a Bible verse? Why not an invitation to church? Uh, um, why not just, boy, just, just in, have a different lifestyle that people go, they're not going to celebrate Halloween. Amen. That'd be a good testimony in your with your neighbors. We should have nothing to do with any work of darkness. Um, did you know there is a master's degree? Stay there. There's a master's degree offered over in Exeter, England, in magic and the occult. You can go to the university to learn all about the occult. I mean, why would you want to do that? Uh, the, the advertisement says to harness the growing interest in the occult. This multidisciplinary master's degree will dis explore the history and the impact of witchcraft and magic around the world on society and science. That's what, that's what people are looking for. Not a Christian. God warns us so that we have... I, uh, warns us about this. Not that we sort of have any fun at all. By the way, if you come on Tuesday night, you'll have more fun here than you will have at a, at a Halloween party. I guarantee you, because we just enjoy ourselves. We just do it in the light. Folks, we're at war against the spiritual wickedness, and you can't play both sides. So what we were, and let's go back to Ephesians 5, look in verse 8, and what we are. Ephesians 5 and verse 8, it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. We don't live in the darkness anymore. We were darkness. That's our past. It was filled with worthless, empty efforts that led to nowhere but the grave. And Paul is, is referring to emotional and spiritual darkness, blindness to what's going on. And you're not even fulfilling your own desires. Did you know what John 8, 44 says? John 8, 44 says, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. You're not even doing your own will. You're not even fulfilling your own lust. You're fulfilling his. That's what a pervert is. A pervert gets other people to, pervert, to, to perform their lusts. And the worst of all is Satan and people who are messing around with darkness and Ouija boards and, and incantations and Harry Potter and all this stuff, you're messing with the lusts of, hopefully not your father. So what we are is light. John, you're, you can hold your place here. Go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 12. Now, I hope to make you a little uncomfortable because I think the devil's made us very comfortable with darkness. We're on a spectrum. I think every decade, the, the, the pendulum swings a little further darker, amen? I'm glad for light. I'm glad for freedom. But I'm telling you, 
this spectrum is going darker and we're, we're more and more comfortable with things just being darker and more evil. If you haven't caught up and don't know what's being, being pushed on six-year-olds, you've got to sleep. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto his disciples, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Chapter 12, verse 46. John chapter 12 and verse 46. Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 46. Jesus is still speaking. I am come a light in the world. But whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Now, you can believe on Moses. You can believe on Buddha. You can believe on all that stuff. And you will end up in darkness because none of them offer you freedom. It was the Lamb of God that frees. Under the Old Testament, you had to come as a sinner before God and lay your hand on that, that sacrificial lamb and let that lamb suffer in your place and you were free. But now you can come to Jesus Christ and be free. You, follow, you say, well, I'm following so-and-so. I'm following so-and-so. You go right ahead into hell. But Jesus said, you follow me again, right there in verse, where I, verse 46, he says, I'm come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness, not anymore. So that's our, what we were was darkness. What we are and will ever be is light. Uh, you know how good it is to have some sunshine this morning, man. We all crave to go to southern Spain or southern France to get some light, to get some warmth or whatever. We all know that. But did you know your soul needs that? When all you watch is all day long or all night long that television and you watch, um, um, I don't know what all they got now, Netflix and Hulu and, and um, uh, I don't know what all is out there. If you're watching all that stuff, your soul is in darkness. It is being overwhelmed. You tell me you're watching a good film. You tell me it was wholesome. For, for every one of you that is, there's 10 who aren't. And I'm here telling you, have no uh, fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Have a limit, have a line where you say, we're not watching that. Because that's not what we are anymore. You're either light or you're darkness. You cannot be both. You can't have communion between the both. Even Paul says that. Um, so back to Ephesians chapter 2 now. I got a question for you. Are you being led by the wrong spirit? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Ephesians 2. In verse 2 says this. Where in time past, ye walked, that's how you lived, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of obedience. You're following a Pied Piper called the devil, among whom also we all, there was nobody that was, was excused and out, uh, were, were unable to just, and able to only walk their own way. No, you're following the course of this world. We all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's how we lived. I like the next verse. I got to keep going. Verse five, verse four, but God, 
That's a good but. Who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, and when we were dead in, in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. Now go to chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Don't live like everybody else is living in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. I, I, I worry that there are Christians in this room. I don't worry about anybody else as much as I do about who sits here in this church under this the preaching of this book that you are. It is foreign to you to pray. It's foreign to you to want to worship God. It is strange to you to want to know the Bible inside and out, start to finish. It is, it is an alien life to want to walk with God. That's my burden. And that, that's my grief. He keeps going on. Verse 18, let me read it again. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, they're way past having any feeling or sense, having given themselves over, we'd say addicted unto lasciviousness, that's an old word for lust, to work all uncleanness with greediness. You can never get enough. Question is, are you being led by a wrong spirit? You are right to be worried about the evil influencers of your children. The LGBT plus group is wanting, and they say it, they want your children. They don't believe you're qualified to teach them. They believe you're narrow-minded and you're bigoted and that they ought to have the freedom to influence your children. You are right to be worried about wrong influences of your children, but you need to be as, as burdened about what is influencing you. That's a novel thought. I mean, I'll speak up and say, that's wrong. The kids don't need that kind of influence at that age or any age. But what about me? Take a good look at your own attitude. Is it past feeling? Do you have any care about the lost in your estate? Do you have any care about the lost in this world? Do you, do you realize missionaries are giving their lives to preach for free? We support them so they can go for free someplace in the world and give the gospel to them without charge, be able to tell them there's hope, there's a savior, there's a way to be forgiven. Do you have a burden about that? Are you past feeling? There are seducing spirits in this world that are very good at luring and tricking and hooking and trapping even the strongest of believers. And until you believe that, you're going to be just like a fish in the, in the river, taken down river. Satan's the best liar ever. He appears so right. He seems to make sense. He offers what seems to be the most fun. And the Bible calls him not an angel of darkness. You know what the Bible says he transforms himself into? An angel of light. I mean, don't be surprised that the devil, if he ever shows up on this planet, and he will, he won't show up as an Igor. <laughs> he won't show up as wicked and evil and dark as he is. He'll show up as, I'm here to serve. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> He'll be the nicest guy, the best politician, most compassionate man you've ever met. Yeah, he's an angel of light, but he's a liar. And the only way you'll ever know the difference between the spirit of this world and the spirit of God is this Bible. 
That is how you know who's lying and who's the real McCoy. And the truth is we're wrestling against spiritual things, man. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 now. We're kind of spending time in Ephesians for a purpose for a little while. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God. We're in a battle. That you may be able to stand against the wiles. I love that word. The schemes, the plans, the conniving of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Don't worry about that argument you had with somebody. Worry about the spirit behind it. We, flesh, we, were, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Principality means a principal power, a high, very powerful person and creature. Against powers. We wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in darkness. You know, one thing you'll know whether you're in a spiritual wrestle is if, if, if fear comes up. The devil loves fear. And isn't that what this time of year is all about? You know, fear incapacitates people. I mean, it terrifies people, disables even the strongest of Christians. People fear death. They fear failure. The devil loves to stir up the fear of mockery, the fear of the unknown. All those things are not from God. The devil stirs them up in you. And if you've never wrestled against intense fear, then you've not lived the Christian life. You've not actually come out of the closet and tried to hand a gospel tract to somebody and then watch them mock you and tear you to shreds. If you just if you never had a problem with being afraid, then I'm telling you, you're not living the Christian life. Because if there's no wrestling at all, then I wonder if you're saved at all, because I'm in a fight. I have to fight to even sometimes study. Can I be honest to say, God, what is it? What is it I can say that will help and encourage? I feel oppressed. I feel the struggle. And I know everybody else is. God, you got to give me something that helps me and helps my people. Because we're in a fight. So the, the statement is, 1 John chapter 1, go to the right. It says, walk in the light. <laughs> 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. First John, all the way to the right, almost to the Revelation. There are three little books there, First John, Second John, Third John. In 1 John chapter 1, verse, six, if, uh, verse 5, This then is the message which we have heard of Jesus, heard from him. And we declared unto you that God is what? And in him is, say it with me, no darkness at all. There's no nefarious working. God's not working out, you know, some dark plan in order to hurt you take away your fun, ruin your life. No, there's no darkness at all, verse 6. So if we say that we have fellowship with him, and if we walk in darkness, we lie. You're not walking with God. And we do not the truth. We're not obeying the truth, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, one together, we have fellowship one with another. You want to have fellowship with Jesus Christ? Walk in the light. Walk in the word, walk with the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, constantly cleanses us from all, how much sin? And 
So I, I, I want to tell you the answer to all the darkness. You know, what I, I think of this. I think there are people right now who will study the background on Halloween and Samhain and, and the, the, uh, uh, the jack-o'-lantern and, and the trick-or-treating and the Wren boys. And, and they'll study all of the history across Europe and America. And it's been popularized. And it's been, been um, uh, emphasized on witches and warlocks and spells and fear. You can study all that. And you know it will do you no good at all. That'll just be a history lesson. You need to walk in the light if you're going to battle that darkness. You're going to have to come out of that and just start, man, let your light so shine. Focus on what is good. Focus on what is holy and what is right and what is clean. And the darkness cannot abide. You know how to make if this room, if we blocked off that door and we turn off the lights, it'd be pretty dark. How do you get rid of the darkness? You turn the light on. You can't shoo the darkness out, can you? You let the light replace it. And that's got to be, and that's what I want to focus on this morning, how to walk in the light. Ephesians chapter 5, back there. We'll just spend our time. I'll go as fast as I can. These are things every Christian must be doing to counteract the growing darkness, make sure they're walking in the right spirit. Because you're not above David. Don't you say, well, I would never commit adultery. You would in your heart. Oh, I would never, I would never cover up my sin. Really? I would, I would never, I would never go to as far as to murdering a man to cover up my sin. You got to understand, the devil knows what buttons to push. You don't think you'll go that far, but the devil will push you and push you to find out if you will, and you could, and you need to be afraid of that. So how do you fight against that so that doesn't happen? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Let's just go through these scriptures here. First thing he says is walk circumspectly, 515. See then. Well, I want to go back. I want to show this. Uh, we read there, verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful directs of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's what I'm doing this morning. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light that put out in the open. That whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So whatever bulb is there is actually light, and the Bible is our light here. Wherefore, he, God saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So verse 15, he says, he says, all right, the Bible says Christ will give you light. Here's how to live in the light. Number 15, see then you walk circumspectly. Not like a fool, but as wise. Would you consider it a fool if I got in my car and I closed my eyes and I tried to drive out of the parking lot and onto the main road? What would you call me? An idiot. Thank you. Stupid. Shut up. A fool for thinking that you don't need light and to see. I took my kids. We were out in, in Raleigh, uh, Raleigh, Raleigh or something. We're out there on those back roads there. I had to take somebody home from one of the teen activities. And we're driving along, and there's no street lights. And as we're driving, the kids are all laughing and everything. And I could see this, the road was real straight. Now, this was not very smart. But only for a moment, I turned the lights off. And the kids screamed because it was pitch black. I couldn't see the road. And I turned it back on. And I said, that's how the world lives. Without Jesus Christ, you're driving on a road and you don't know where the dangers are. You don't know where you're going. You can't, you, you, you're living from minute to minute. In any second, it could be your last. Amen. And the kids got the picture. <laughs> don't be a fool. You walk circumspectly, which means both eyes open. 
means fully aware. Uh, when, when, when your kids want to learn to drive, what do you teach your kids? What, are the, what do the um, uh, instructors teach? Look in your mirrors, have your eyes open, constantly check for what's around you. And as a Christian, we're kind of just glued to the TV. We're kind of just glued to our hobby or we're just stuck in there and we're unaware of what's going on around us. I don't want to know everything, but I'm aware of what's coming. I'm aware of what's happening and I'm aware of the Holy Spirit at work in my heart saying, let's get away for a while. Let's spend some time together. Let's reinforce so when the pressure comes and when the attacks come, you're ready to stand. Amen? Walk circumspectly. I hope you are aware that most movies today are full of filth. I can't. Me and I will sit down and go, ah, I just want to watch something. We're going to shut that off. Does it grieve you? I mean, it, it just is it's planned, folks. Most styles of clothes ladies are wrong you leave very little to the imagination amen that's the world we live in most churches are filled with such confusion and darkness i hope you're aware of this we don't live in a good world our world's struggling to breathe don't you join it realize we're supposed to come out and be separate we walk circumspectly because i know what's going on out there and i've got to decide i want to be with the true light, I want to be right with God. I want my heart right. I'm not in judgment of anybody. But I look at my life and I say, I'm not going to try to be like anybody else but Jesus Christ. Whew. Walk circumspectly. I got a lot to say, but I, I got to go on. Secondly, verse 16, make up for lost time. Make up for lost time. Look at verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are. Isn't that funny? Paul said that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> I think if Paul was alive today, he'd just die. <laughs> he'd just be like, I thought it was bad. When I got saved in 1980, I thought it was bad. I mean, it just, 1980, folks, I mean, I was still watching 1950s shows and westerns and things where when they shot you, you never saw blood. Oh, you got me. <laughs> you never saw, now you see their guts coming out, man. You just brains are blown out, things are happening, and it's dark and it's just wrong, folks. How much time have we wasted? Let me ask you this. How much time did you waste out at the pub? How much time did you waste watching hour upon hour upon hour upon week upon week of filth and movies that you'll never get out of your head? What does a runner do if he ever falls and trips and hits the tarmac? What does he do? He gets back up but he puts extra effort in catching up, doesn't he? And that's what he's saying. Let's make up for the lost time. Romans 13, hold your place here. Go back to the left. Romans chapter 13. In verse 12. Be surprised at how much the Bible talks about darkness and getting out of it and getting into light. Romans chapter 13, verse 12. The night is far spent. That's, that's, that's our time frame. We're almost at the end of this age. The day is at hand. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light, get into the fight. Make up for lost time. Don't allow a spirit of, quick, of quitting 
Don't allow anything to just pour and pile on you so that you can't keep going doing the right things. Anything that's slowing down your Christian walk, slowing your Christian race, anything that stops you from just serving one another, loving one, anything that stops your heart from being soft, anything that's making you harder and harder, you need to get rid of. So don't just reject Halloween. You need to break off the old habits, the old ways of thinking, the lusts. You know your own eyes. You know how quick you are to, to look at and undress and see things you shouldn't be doing. You're going to have to cut it off. Addictions, laziness, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, smoking, drinking, flirting. You may wonder if you can do it, but here in verse, verse 12, it says, where am I? 1312, I think I left it there. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Evidently, we can do it. Evidently, you can cut it off. I think of, I mean, I'm not sure if it's an exact representation, but if I'm on a boat and I want to do a race around fast net, I'm going to have to cut the line to the shore, amen? I'm going to have to Way anchor, which means pull it up and just go. And anything that's holding me to the shore, anything that's holding me to the world, anything that's holding me back has to be cut off. And yeah, it's going to be hard, but your family needs to see you do it. Don't leave the victories to someone else when Jesus Christ has given you the ability to have the victory yourself. This is a serious decision, requires serious effort, and it takes a lot of effort. For, thirdly, we're back there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. He's going on about how to live in the light, verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What would it be like if we started doing God's will instead of my own? I know what my will is to add another hour to my clock, amen? <laughs> I know what my will is. I mean, that we all have our own will. It's called free will. But here, Paul is saying, hey, decide to do God's will. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be stupid. Don't be unwise. Don't be an Egypt that is a fool just doing whatever you want. You know why most marriages fail? Because at least one of them is not listening to the other and just doing their own thing and not adapting and not trying to be a blessing to the other person. You get two people loving one another and being a blessing to each other, you got heaven. But one of them is just, well, he never listens. Well, probably so. She never cares. She's just doing her own thing. That's a curse. Can you imagine it in a church full of people? Do you ever wonder what God's will is for you? You ever wonder, what, what, did, what did God save me for? What does God want me to do? It doesn't matter if you're nine years old, 29, 39, 49, 99. It doesn't matter how old you are. Know what God's will is for you every day and do it. This is so missing today. Don't let anybody, doesn't anybody want to kick the devil in the, key, in the teeth and just say, you're not running my life anymore. Then just start walking his way. And the devil will say, Brr. Leave you alone for a little while. Start doing God's will. 518. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is always excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The second most precious invitation of the Bible is to be filled with the Spirit. The first invitation is come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, 
you can come to Jesus Christ. That's the greatest invitation to anybody. But the second greatest invitation is you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't force himself on anyone. He waits for you to desperately need him and yield to him and open to him instead of open up yourself to the spirits of this wicked world. When a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit, there's no room for the devil. Can I repeat that again? When a Christian is filled with the Spirit of God, there's no room for the devil. You want to make sure he doesn't have a corner of your room, of your house, of your home, of your conversation. Fill your home, fill your conversation, fill your mind with things that are from the Bible, things that are focused on spiritual things. Seek to be filled with the Spirit of God. Last time you, you grabbed that bottle of whiskey, remember it was called a spirit. You remember that? Call them wine and spirits because it is spiritual. It goes deep into your soul. It affects your ability. You say, do, do Christians actually drink? A lot of them do. And they don't realize they're inviting a wrong spirit in their life. Be not drunk with wine. If you've ever been filled with anger or filled with depression, then you know how much you should seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know what it's like to be depressed. I know what it's like to be full of anger. And instead of that fullness, I seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit so there is no depression, so there is no anger, so there's just service, there's humility, there is the mind and the heart and the life of Christ. That is, if you want him. Now I'm going to say this. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. Is that 16? 19, sorry. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What? I have found, now when I got saved, I had to come out of the, the music industry because I was addicted to it. I had records. I had too many records. Um, I sets and, and we didn't have CDs back in then, but I had LP albums. I had single albums. Oh, going all the way back. You wouldn't want to know. They're all embarrassing now. You know, I, I never liked the Bee Gees, um, but man, I was into music and all spectrums and the covers of the albums would, would set the, the hair on the back of your neck on end because they were dark. Music back then, you know, you had all the fluffy music and stuff, but there was, there was an addiction that I had to the music of this world. And how am I ever going to get free of that as a new Christian? I got to sing different music. I've got to fill this heart with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs because the missing weapon against darkness in your life is praise. You want to stand up and say, I resist you, devil. You're a fool. Do you know how to get the devil to want to leave? Praise Jesus Christ. He cannot stay. Hold your, hold your place here in Ephesians. I want you to go to 1 Peter 2, to the right, 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two and verse nine. But ye are a chosen generation, quoting from the Old Testament, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Speaking of Christians, a peculiar, unique, different kind of people that ye should show forth. This is your purpose, that you should declare, that you should shine forth, you might say, the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. I mean, remember what Paul and Silas did after they had been whipped and beaten for just preaching the gospel in Philippi. And as they were, they were stripped almost naked and then thrown into the deepest, darkest prison, no window, slam the door, lock the door, and the warden walking all the way out of the deepest place and left them there to rot, basically. What did Paul and Silas do in that darkness? You know what time it was when they sang? It was midnight. It says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas, amidst the tears, amidst the darkness you could feel, they sang. Because they knew we can beat this if we sing. How to walk in the light? Start singing, man. You need to start with amazing grace. You know why we sing hymns? Because I want you to know them. I want you to memorize them so that when you're at work, you can sing them when it gets dark. When other people are getting raises, when you're getting fired or let go, when things are going dark and things are going hard, you remember amazing grace. Then learn, be thou my vision. Then memorize what can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You need to memorize my favorite hymn of all time. And can it be that I should gain? I learned that at 17 years old. Why? Because I was coming out of darkness. You understand what I'm saying? I knew the words of every song. I memorized what came on the radio. I could sing. Without question, I needed something better. I needed something stronger. I needed something to put the darkness out. How about Jesus loves me? This I know. You say, that's for kids. <laughs> it's for me. I need it. How about, how about on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. You need to memorize that. Sing, ladies and gentlemen. Learn these hymns, memorize them. You know, the, the, the contemporary junk out there that passes for Christian music can't hold a candle to the hymnal you're holding in your hand. Scripture truths that are in there. When I was 18 years old, I bought me a hymnal and I still got it. Um, uh, I, 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 I was told, get me three books, get a Bible, a concordance and a hymnal. <laughs> I've never, never let one of them go. Because I need it. Now, maybe you don't. Maybe you're better than me. But learn to sing. Because Satan cannot coexist with praise of Jesus Christ. Number six. Look in verse 20, Ephesians 5, 20. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 19, verse 20 goes on and says, giving thanks. Ooh, there are two alls in there. Always for all things. Hmm. In the name of our Lord. One thing the devil would like to do is to get you so you can't thank God. And if he gets you to grumble, complain, murmur, he's got a hook in you. And when you can, start to just thank God, praise God for everything and in every situation, every day, and say, this is the day which the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'll be thankful. So the rule is be constant. If you want the darkness out, start thanking God. Start just thanking God for everything. Satan can, can, cannot coexist with a thankful, contented heart. He works to get you to murmur and complain and grumble. 
What are you thankful for?